Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you that you have called us to the foot of the cross as, as we stand there. We stand there forgiven. We stand there with our sins blotted out by the blood of Christ as a body given. We stand there clothed in his righteousness. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the healing, the ultimate healing that we receive only in him. Show us that this morning in this text. Bless us as we hear the word of God, both read and preached, and bless the preacher, we pray, that your word might go forth, that our hearts would be impacted, not by the words of man, but by your word, O Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. We'll begin reading at verse 53 to 56, the last section of chapter 6. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Alzheimer's affects nearly 5.7 million Americans who struggle with varying degrees of the stages of dementia, according to one report. The underlying cause of this disease is unknown, therefore making it difficult to find a cure but one source reported, and I quote, there have been significant developments in the treatment and prevention of Alzheimer's disease, end quote. Will it be cured in our lifetime? This is a devastating disease, and we hope that soon there will be a cure. As devastating as Alzheimer's is, there is a disease, a sickness, more devastating, and that is sin. The good news is a complete cure has come and is available. Our text today points us to that cure, that person, that healer. We find in this very brief summary of Jesus' Galilean ministry that the people responded as they saw Jesus ashore. They recognized him. They brought the sick to encounter him. And the sick begged Jesus even to touch the fringe of his garment they, that they might be healed. And so first, the people responded in verse 54, immediately recognizing him, that is, Jesus. After the miracle of feeding the 5,000 that we considered a couple of Sundays ago in chapter 6, 30 through 34, or 44 rather, and then the miracle of Jesus walking on water that we considered last week in verses 45 through 52, you remember Jesus walked out on the water and all the events proclaiming his deity, then he got in the boat with, with his disciples and they journeyed on to their destination their destination, Bethsaida, just south of Capernaum. 
but the northerly wind blew them a little bit further south, and, it, and they actually landed, as verse 53 tells us, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. Well, what do we know about the plain of Gennesaret? We actually know quite a bit. It was a fertile and densely populated area in Jesus' day. It was situated there along the seashore just south of Capernaum. It, it was about three miles in length and about a mile and a half in width. The first century historian Josephus describes this region as being fertile and having a remarkable natural beauty. Gennesaret was known in the ancient times as producing walnuts and palms and figs and olives and grapes. It was a lush, productive area. It was populous. It was beautiful. It was fruitful. And there Jesus and his disciples landed and came ashore. How did the people respond? They respond. They responded. They recognized him. Jesus' reputation had preceded him there, obviously. You may recall of Jesus' base of operation being the city of Capernaum, just north of where the plain of Gennesaret is located. Our Lord's fame and reputation had spread throughout Galilee, including the plain of Gennesaret. He had become widely known for his preaching and even more so for the miracles that, that he performed. And so when Jesus and his disciples came ashore, the people saw him, and the text tells us that they immediately recognized him. Jesus' reputation preceded him. Remember, he healed the man of the unclean spirit in the synagogue in chapter 1. Later in that chapter, he went to Simon Peter's mother-in-law and healed her of the fever also in that chapter, chapter 1. Our Lord healed the leper of his crippling disease. And then we go to chapter 2. We remember the Lord healed that paralytic man who was confirmed to his mat. And then in, verse, in, in chapter 3, the man with the withered hand was restored. We go to chapter 5, we see Jesus going to the region of Gadara, and there he casts out those many demons, some 2,000 demons from that poor man. And then also in chapter 5, the woman with the bloody issue found healing. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. She was healed. Jesus not only healed individuals, but there were mass healings. We find this in chapter 1. We also find an account of mass healings in chapter 3. The people had every reason to recognize Jesus as the miracle worker, the healer, for his reputation had preceded him. We have talked about the fact that Jesus' normal practice, his normal pattern of ministry was to preach and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, to call people to repentance and faith, and these miracles were performed to validate that message, to validate his authority as the teacher. And there's no reason not to think that this pattern continued in this event, though it's curious that Mark is silent with regards to the question 
of Jesus preaching. He does not indicate that he did. But we should take it as Jesus was about preaching. But Mark's focus is on the people recognizing Jesus as the healer, the miracle worker. And this may point to the fact that, as we've already seen, the disciples and certainly the people were often confused about what Jesus said. They didn't get Jesus' message much of the time, but they surely got the fact that Jesus was a miracle worker. And they were impressed by his power. I want to ask a question, and Derek alluded to this earlier before the profession of faith. How must we recognize Jesus merely as a healer? Well, he is. For we are more blessed than those people in Gennesaret. We have the complete and authoritative account of all that Jesus said and did. We have the Bible. They base their understanding on what they recognize in Jesus, primarily what Jesus did. And we have the blessing of being able to go to the Word of God and to see the full account of who Jesus is. He is the Savior and Lord, the Savior of sinners and Lord over all. They base their recognition of Jesus on what Jesus did. We base our recognition of Jesus on what God says in his word. And a great example is our profession of faith this morning, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. This is an example of how we might rightly understand or recognize Jesus according to the scriptures the second person of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of God, voluntarily set aside his divine rights for a time to accomplish the Father's plan of redeeming God's people. He condescended to the state of humiliation. He, he became obedient to death, taking the form of a servant, being born of woman, becoming and adding a human nature to himself being seen as a man, even being obedient to submit himself to death on a cross, all to heal sinners. And then we see the resurrection from the grave and by the power of God and the ascension to the right hand of God there where Jesus is declared and worshiped. Lord of all, Savior and Lord, what is your response to Jesus today? Do you respond by recognizing him according to the scriptures, not according to man, not according to what others say about him, not according to what some books say about him, but according to the Bible, what God says about him? Do you recognize the Jesus of the Bible as Lord and Savior. Second, the people responded by bringing the sick to encounter Jesus wherever they heard he was. Look at verse 55. The people recognized Jesus as a healer. They, they responded with a sense of urgency. The text indicates they were running about the whole region of Gennesaret seeking out the sick in order that they might bring the sick 
to Jesus, the healer, that they might encounter him. Uh, the detail of bringing the sick on their bed simply highlights the severity of their affliction. Uh, this recalls the four friends that brought the paralytic in chapter 2 to Jesus, and they had to go up to the roof and lower him down through the roof to Jesus on his mat. Jesus, as these people were on the move seeking out the sick, Jesus was on the move, traveling to villages, to cities, throughout the entire countryside. These good Samaritans not only had to seek the sick, but they had to figure out where Jesus was. And so they would listen for reports that they might locate Jesus. And they would receive word that Jesus was at this location or that location. And they would bring the sick on their mats and place the sick there in the marketplace of whatever location Jesus was said that he would visit. In small villages and countryside, you obviously would not think of a marketplace being there like we would think of, a, a place of commerce where people might go to buy goods or groceries. And likely this term marketplace refers to just an open area, maybe like a town square where the sick could be laid out there'd be enough room to lay the sick out on their mats and a place where Jesus would likely come and so there the sick were the passage shows it it was a a fruitful ministry with many encountering Jesus the healer and I find two implications of this text not only do we need to be careful that we recognize Jesus as he is given in God's word. That's the Jesus that is Lord and Savior. But consider these two implications. That Jesus had a concern and a compassion for sick sinners. So we find this, this compassion and concern of the people there in Gennesaret that they were acting compassionately by going out and finding the sick. They were running about to bring them to encounter Jesus. And the question is, do we have compassion and a concern for the sick? Not the physically sick, but the spiritually sick, the one sick in sin. Having a concern and compassion for the sick may look like praying for the salvation of a lost person. Do you know of, of a person? And maybe that, that person is a friend, maybe a work colleague, maybe a neighbor, maybe a family member who needs to be healed by Jesus savingly, redemptively. Pray for them to encounter the healer of six sinners. This concern may look like parents who prioritize evangelizing and discipling their children. Regularly re remind your children of the gospel. Be faithful to lead your family in private family devotions and to lead your family in corporate worship. Teach your children the catechisms. Model the Christian life before them. 
the concern, the compassion for the lost might look like befriending an unsaved person and engaging them with the good news of the gospel, leading them in a sense to encounter Jesus in the scriptures, maybe over a cup of coffee, for example. Do we have compassion and a concern for sinners? Next week begins our annual missions conference. And that missions conference really flows out of a compassion and a concern for the lost throughout the world. Does that reflect Jesus? I think so. Jesus had compassion for the lost. Ultimately, his compassion for the lost is realized on the cross where he submitted himself to death to pay for our sin and to satisfy God's wrath concerning the penalty due our sin. But we also see in passages like Matthew chapter 9, 36 through 38, Jesus' compassion for sinners and therefore the compassion for sinners that we must have. Let me read this. This will be familiar to you. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then in verse 37, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Notice this. Jesus called his disciples to earnestly pray for laborers to go out into his harvest and that that flew from his compassion for sinners. Compassion then is to motivate us to pray and to go into the harvest field to declare the good news of the gospel. That harvest field might look like our family. That harvest field might look like our neighborhood, our workplace. It may look like a foreign field. J.C. Ryle said this, the love of Christ to sinners is the very essence and morrow of the gospel. As Christ's disciples, if our master, our Lord, had compassion, how much more should we have compassion for the lost, for the sinner? So that's one implication. implication. The second implication is this, every sick sinner must encounter Jesus as Lord and Savior wherever they are and as they are. The people who brought the sick brought them on their beds. The wretched condition that they were in did not stop them from encountering Jesus. I have come across some people who would say something to this effect. I need to get my act together a little bit more before I ask Jesus to do anything for me. I, I need to clean myself up uh, just a little bit uh, more before I ask Jesus to clean me up. I need to be doing this, this, and this to make myself a little bit more worthy, a little bit more acceptable before I ask Jesus to do anything in my life. And frankly, that is a cop-out. Jesus received sinners while they were still in all of their sin. And one great example of this is in John 4, when we see Jesus receiving the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, who represented a really vile 
uh, sinner. She had no business being, being allowed to come before Jesus, but Jesus welcomed her. He did not reject her. He did not condemn her, but he engaged her and offered her everlasting life in himself. Water that will mean you'll never thirst again. The Apostle Paul taught in Romans 5, 8, but God chose his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The people of Gennesaret had compassion and concern for the sick. They ran about seeking them that they might bring them to encounter Jesus. Do we have a concern for sinners? Do we run about seeking sick sinners that they might encounter Jesus. You may be here today and realize you've not encountered Jesus as Lord and Savior. You may have encountered him as a good person, a good teacher, a crutch to lean on in trouble, or a genie in the bottle to make your every wish come true. But you've not encountered him, the healer of six sinners. Would you seek him and encounter him and his gospel that is offered according to scripture just as you are no need to try to be better no need to seek to be less sinful no need to try to dress up a little bit to be more acceptable no come just as I am with you as a saved person who is burdened with guilt would you also come to Jesus just as you are with all of your sin though you're saved yet acting out that old sin nature that remains in you and all of your burden and all of your disappointment and all of your shame would you come to Jesus and find healing would you come just as you are would you come bringing all of your sin all of your dirty laundry to him if you're saved or unsaved Jesus says just as you are, come to me. Just as I am without one plea, but thy blood was shed for me. And that thou biddest me to come. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. That's true for you if you're unsaved. That's true for us who are saved. Every sinner must encounter Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when the sin-sick sinner encounters him. The third aspect of this passage shows the necessary response. Third, the people responded by imploring him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. Verse 36. Jesus' healing power is on full display in, in this request by the sick to touch the fringe of his garment. Sometimes Jesus spoke and a person was healed. Other times Jesus touched them and a person was healed. In this particular moment, Jesus was touched, even the fringe of his robe, and found healing. In each case, the source of the healing is clear. It's Jesus. The people ran about the region, locating the sick, and, and bringing them to the marketplaces where they would encounter the healer. And the sick responded to Jesus out of their need. They needed healing of whatever sickness ravaged their bodies. 
they recognized Jesus as the healer who had healed so many already. And they responded by imploring Jesus that they might even touch, touch his robe and find healing. And like the faith of the woman previously with the bloody issue in Mark chapter 5, they believed if they just touched Jesus' garment that they would find healing, unlike the lady with the bloody issue in Mark chapter 5 who touched Jesus in secret. These sick people cried out, imploring Jesus. And how do we understand the word implore? They were in a wretched state. They implored Jesus, meaning they begged Jesus that they might touch him. They knew of Jesus' reputation. They likely thought he was the only hope they had to find healing and wholeness and restoration in life. They may have thought this would be their only opportunity to reach out and touch Jesus. Those sick people were desperate. They came broken, humble. Begging was not beneath them. Not much in life was beneath them. They were confined to a mat placed on the ground, totally dependent on others. All they could do was beg for permission to touch Jesus' garment. And one of the interesting things about this passage is that Mark does not record Jesus' response. Sure, welcome, touch me. Touch my robe. The account simply ends, and as many as touched it were made well, verse 56. No permission was needed because the permission to put one's faith in Jesus was implied by Jesus' mission and by his presence. For Jesus came to restore, to heal, and set things right. The desperate response of the sick and begging demonstrates faith in Jesus' ability to heal them, to take away whatever malady affected them. The physical sickness was cured, but they remained sick. They remained sick in sin. Jesus came to heal more than simply a disease, a physical disease. He came to deal with man's fundamental sickness in sin. D.A. Carson gets at sin being the fundamental problem with mankind. Sin subjects the sinner to the wrath of God. Carson said, the the cliche, God hates the sin, but loves the sinner is false on its face of it and should be abandoned. Fourteen times in the first 50 Psalms alone, we are told that God hates the sinner. His wrath is on the liar and so forth. In the Bible, the wrath of God rests on both the sin, Romans 1.18 and following, and on the sinner, John 3.36, end quote. The Apostle Paul teaches that sin is the fundamental problem, the fundamental sickness of mankind. And the only answer to this sickness is the healer Jesus who does more than simply heal physical disease. He heals the heart. He heals the soul. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, eternal death. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 7, 24 through 25, and also the first verse of Romans 8. Wretched man that I am, Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, it is faith in Jesus as Messiah, as Lord and Savior, as the only mediator between God and man that brings about true and eternal healing. Faith in Him is faith in His authority and power and work whereby sinners may be healed of the greatest sickness, the fundamental sickness, the fundamental problem, which is sin. The only response is one of desperation begging Jesus to heal us, coming to him with a humble and contrite heart. The passage from Isaiah 61, Brandon read earlier, proclaims the Messiah, Jesus, would come in power to heal, to bind up, to liberate, and renew the world. The result of Jesus' redeeming work is declared at the very toward the end of that Isaiah 61 passage when we read in verse 10 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul shall exult in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels this event in Gennesaret is an expression of this promise being fulfilled in Jesus. True faith is touching the fringe of Jesus' robe for healing and finding that he clothes us us with garments of salvation and covers us with his robe of righteousness. What a healer and what an incredible healing we experience from Jesus when he deals with our sins. Yes, we deeply want a cure for Alzheimer's, A difficult disease as this one is, however, Alzheimer's will not keep a person out of heaven. But the disease of sin and one remaining in bondage to sin will keep one out of heaven. But praise be to God, we have a cure for the greatest sickness, the greatest malady. And that cure is Jesus Listen to these words of scriptures as we close. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Father appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mark 1, verse 15, Jesus preached, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, would you call on the name of the Lord to be saved? This morning, would you call on the name of the Lord to be forgiven if you are saved? The same cure, Jesus, 
It's for the saved and the unsaved. The people of Gennesaret put their faith in Jesus as the healer. May we put our faith in him as the only mediator between God and man who ransomed us from sin and healed us for eternity. Amen. Father in heaven, would you pour out your healing mercies upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, take your hymnal, and turn to amazing grace as we stand and sing hymn number 460. And whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master Jesus Christ. The one who called is completely dependable, and he will do it. Amen. Amen. 